From the Freedom HealthWorks Network, this is Healthcare Americana. Today's guest is Todd Fouché, CEO of OnTarget Health. Right now, within our population that we serve, 71% of the pre-diabetics are improving or moving to normal diabetes markers, and that's over one year period of time, so that's showing consistency. The diabetic population to reduce their insulin or eliminate their insulin, we're actually seeing shy of 50% of those individuals that are improving their diabetic state. So in a country where one out of three struggle with prediabetes or diabetes, imagine if 30, 40, 50% of those individuals, instead of becoming the next diabetic, actually improved their risk profiles as they age. And now, here's your Healthcare Americana host, Christopher Habig. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Healthcare Americana, the podcast exploring what true care really means. Today's guest, Todd Fouché, CEO of On Target Health. Todd, thanks for coming by the studio. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I was excited to have you on um, because you're somebody coming outside of what we normally talk about within direct primary care, but you're, yet you're still very active in healthcare through your background. You've had an incredible amount of experiences. Um, so I want to get uh, just a quick feel of what your background and what your experiences in healthcare have been. The um, started in mid 1980s, actually. So I'm aging myself here a little bit, but started out as a health underwriter and then moved into claims management. So for the audience, anything from underwriting risk for an employer group all the way through to processing medical and pharmaceutical claims. That then led to managing on-site primary care clinic operations. And it was in the latter experience that I stepped out in 2014 to start on Target Health. So you're doing claims data back in the 80s. You probably saw a pretty good shift from that time period until what you saw when you stepped out in the early 2010s. Well, it's, it's dramatic, more so than probably most people realize in terms of just how ill the population has become. Give you a very simple example. In the mid 1980s, we had one out of 2,800 individuals that were pre diabetic or diabetic in the country. And this is in the mid 80s. Today, it's one out of every three adults. So when you go from one out of 2,800 to one out of three, that's significant in a relatively short period of time. Wow. Okay. I didn't know it was that bad. It's that bad. One out of 2,800 in the 1980s to one in three are considered. Clinically, clinically obese, or is there a different scale, or is it the same scale? The, um, overweight to obese. So you have overweight status, obese, morbidly obese, but one out of three adults. Many of them are undiagnosed pre-diabetics or diabetics, for example, but it's just manifested itself that way in relatively you know, one generation. Wow. Okay. I got to ask another question on that topic specifically. Is that just sedentary lifestyles? Is that life is too easy for us and we don't get up and move, or is that diet or food? Does anybody know? Well, I think we do know it's, uh, in all fairness, it's a combination of everything you just mentioned. We see a direct parallel between just the lack of work-life balance, the amount of stress people are under, uh, the makeup of our foods, the processed foods, the sedentary lifestyle, the lack of sleep, skipping meals, all of these behaviors that are very consistent amongst uh, the population. And the health is very parallel to that. It's it's definitely a problem and, and absolutely fascinating to talk to. So you go from claims administration, you follow that up. You said you were running primary care clinics and you've seen a wide spectrum of people coming into those clinics. You step away. And then what'd you do professionally? Uh, in 2014, 
No exaggeration, probably two out of every three patients accessing care at the on-site clinic, primary care clinic, were struggling with medical issues related to inflammation. Inflammation in the body is probably one of the bad guys, uh, and the main contributor to that is too much visceral fat, too much fatty tissue in the body. Um, So a group of us stepped outside of the primary care clinic operations to start on target health and the whole focus of our target health is to target fatty tissue in the body, how to reduce that, how to sustain that loss and improve health. That's the focus of on target health. And so with on target health, you started that a few years ago. What are some of the benefits other than obvious weight loss programs? I mean, how do you guys do things when someone joins your program? What happens? Just walk us through it. Today, uh, the company actually, uh, the methodology, I'll step back from even then, the methodology was introduced in the retail environment prior to us starting on Target Health, where we focus solely on the employer group market. Uh, In the retail space, when the recession hit in the late 2000s, people pulled back naturally. So that was really the reason for us moving to the employer market. So envision if you're an employer group, uh, we will get the approval of the employer to come in and chat with the employees for 30 minutes or so. And we're really explaining the difference between traditional weight management programs, uh, your Weight Watchers, Nutrisystems, Jenny Craig, keto diets, paleo diets, vegan diets, fill in the blank, whatever those are, Mm -hmm. uh, and explain to individuals how their metabolism reacts to those diets as well as what is the physiological way to lose the right type of weight, which is fat, not muscle, and then how to sustain that through behavioral change. So it's one, undoing the mixed messaging that exists in the weight loss industry to how does your body work, and every person's body works differently, so we measure and help each person understand what their body needs to do. So more of a focus on the physiological aspects of it, not necessarily, you you rattled off a couple of other... um, I wouldn't say competitors, but other uh, weight loss methods, programs that you hear of. Do those strike you as more faddish or more short term? Do you see a lot of people coming into your clinic saying, hey, I've tried these different types of diets. I've tried these different types of exercise programs. Nothing's really sticking. Yeah, the, um, uh, you made a comment. I mean, technically, they are competitors. But right now, since the country struggles with weight more than any other country in the world, which is a fact, The country needs those programs, but in the same vein, those programs are generally designed to, they're more product driven, buy our product, buy our foods, process those. Um, Our challenge on that is that there's an assumption in many of those programs that every person's metabolism is the same. And the reason, a question that I usually ask the employer audience when we're working with them is that if those fad diet programs worked, Once again, why is America the heaviest country in the world? They've been around for 30, 40 years, but yet we're the heaviest country in the world. Is it possible that maybe we're sending the wrong message, we're educating people incorrectly? So to give you a very simple example, none of the traditional weight management programs that we're aware of are measuring a person's body composition and their metabolism, coupling it not only with product, but with also behavioral training on stress management, lack of sleep, skipping meals, all of these things. It's not any one individually of those components will not work. You combine the methodology and you end up with an individual that sustains fat loss 
and it may be an appropriate point, we can chat a little bit about the importance because I, I, most people think weight loss means fat loss mm-hmm. and it's almost exactly the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and from what I know, obviously um, working with physicians and that's a very good point. I want to go back to that, but this whole aspect of educating the patient, educating you know the program user, that seems to be the difference. Am I, am I reading that right? Yeah, you're right on. I mean, that is exactly the difference. So let's envision that if you came in and you were tested, we would advise you of your total scale weight, how much of your scale weight is coming from water, muscle, or fatty tissue. Most individuals have not had that test done. They've not seen what their fat percentage of their scale weight is. In the Midwest, it can range anywhere from 35 to 70% of a person's total weight coming from fatty tissue. When most people get those numbers, it's pretty sobering to understand that. And then most importantly, they get to see what is a healthy body fat percentage for you specifically. So for each employee that we work with, they understand what their body composition is. They understand what is healthy specifically for them. And then second to that key component is testing a person's metabolism. If I were to ask any employee audience, 99% of the employees have never had their metabolism tested. And we're asking why. It is so germane to how to lose fatty tissue is to understand your metabolism. And here's why. If you don't sleep, your metabolism changes. If you skip meals, your metabolism's impacted. Mm -hmm. If you're placed on a medication, your metabolism changes. If you're going through pre or post menopause or pre or post pregnancy, your metabolism changes. Why isn't anybody testing for it? Each of those issues that I just mentioned can cause a person to gain or lose fatty tissue. So we test people so that they understand why, how their body's processing. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. And, and nobody ever accused the human body of being an inefficient machine. It's going to do everything it can to conserve that energy and just pack it away for a rainy day. It's, you're, it's, it's yep. you know, millennia of evolution the, uh, uh, coming around. It's but. a great comment, in all fairness. Uh, the body does have a beautiful survival mechanism. So when a person is stressed, when they're not sleeping, when they're skipping meals, when they're eating more than their metabolism needs, or they're starving their body and they're eating too much, your metabolism recognizes every one of those things are foreign. And it doesn't know if you're in a ditch not to be found for two or three weeks or if you're intentionally doing it to yourself. So it will slow the metabolism down. It's, it's in survival mode now. And it will store fatty tissue and use your muscle for energy because it doesn't know how long this behavior is going to go on, how long you're going to starve it, how long you're going to do X. So when it starts to use your muscle, muscle decreases in your scale weight. That becomes a greater percentage of your scale weight. Inflammation in your body increases. Medical issues manifest themselves. It's all connected. All connected. So how do, what, so what are these, um, I have a lot of questions going through my mind right now. So what do these tests look like when someone comes in uh, to one of your clinics and they say, all right, on target health, I want to test my metabolism. What does that even mean? The metabolism test can be done multiple ways. The way we do it is testing a person's metabolism at rest. So what that means that if, if you were sitting in your chair for 24-7, we're going to hook you up to a breathing monitor that's you're literally just breathing through a tube, and it's identifying your caloric burn at total rest. 
How many calories does your metabolism need if you were to sit in your chair for 24 hours, seven days a week? Now, that's just establishing a baseline. Sure. So then your level of exercise, so on and so forth, is going to vary. So there are adjustments made for it. But a resting metabolism test is a 10-minute breathing test into a machine that's literally measuring your caloric burn at state, at that rest, resting state. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I got to ask, because we mentioned this, You again, we mentioned before, back in the 80s, one out of every 2,800? Correct. People were obese. Now it's one in three. What type of results are you seeing through your programs? When we meet with the employees and we explain to them in 30 minutes the importance of testing their metabolism and what decisions they're making on a daily basis that affect their metabolism that contribute to weight gain, then what we do when we test them, when we run these tests, those test results are run through an algorithm that literally will tell each employee for wherever they're at in this point in life how many calories their metabolism needs to sustain on a daily basis. It, the algorithm will also tell the individual how many calories is too few for your body to keep it from going into starvation mode, holding on to fatty tissue, and using muscle for energy. We show individuals on a weekly basis as they are tested and coached with a dietitian or, an, or a health coach is show them every week that as they adopt the behaviors of managing their stress, their sleep, the makeup of their calories, understanding how many calories to consume, literally can show them every week how their body is attacking fatty tissue. If their body's attacking anything other than fatty tissue, one of those two tests will tell the dietitian or the health coach that the body's using muscle or lean mass. The algorithm will tell the dietitian and the participant how to adjust their calories up or down to keep their body going after fat 100%. Wow. And when you do that, you come off meds, you reduce meds, mm -hmm. uh, reduction or elimination of uh, uh, CPAP machines for sleep apnea. Uh, medical care reduces the number of visits, uh, strokes. You're probably seeing people who are diabetic, no longer diabetic. Right now, within our population that we serve, 71% of the pre-diabetics are improving or moving to normal diabetes markers for them. And that's over one year period of time. So that's showing consistency on the diabetic population to reduce their insulin or eliminate their insulin. We're actually seeing shy of 50% of those individuals that are improving their diabetic state. So in a country where one out of three struggle with prediabetes or diabetes, imagine if 30, 40, 50% of those individuals, instead of becoming the next diabetic, the next coronary care patient, for example, actually improved their risk profiles as they age. Mm -hmm. Rather than just going downhill. Instead of becoming the next diabetic that's placed on insulin or another medication or whatever the case may be. It's a beautiful thought and something that's, that's drastically needed. Something has to change. So tell us a little bit about the populations you work with. So you mentioned before that you work strictly with employers. Um, so talk a little bit about your, your ideal customer profile and then what that population looks like and then how they can benefit from it. The, um, in the employer market, uh, without getting into too much detail, employers either insure their employees' medical health plan through an insurance company, or employers will what we call self-fund their medical plan for their employees, which means they're paying for the cost of their employees' medical care through the assets of the company. Mm -hmm. Long story short, an employer that's generally 100 employee lives or greater 
is an ideal target market for us, whether they're 100 or more or, or multi-thousand life employer group. Those larger employers are generally the ones that see the value directly on what we do because every dollar we save them through reductions of medications, for example, fall to their bottom line. That makes a lot of sense. Are there any non-weight loss benefits that you're seeing coming out of these uh, programs? Well, it's everything from, you know, from an employer, it generally comes down to show me the return on my investment. Show me the ROI. I'm all about improving the health of my employees, and we believe that to be true, but it's, it certainly helps if they can see the effects and the dollar impact that mm-hmm. that has. Helps the company become more competitive, helps in so many other ways. But the benefits we see to the participant is, every, is their home life their marriages, their work life, uh, the balance, they're sleeping better. They're not on meds. They're not on two meds. They're not on three meds. They're not prematurely having knee and hip replacements. So every facet of their life improves their self-esteem, their lack of, uh, uh, well, the improved self-esteem and how that relates to mental nervous issues, depression that exists is very common amongst a person that's uh, in an obese state, for example. So just the quality of life is probably one of the greatest. The other one for the employer is the impact in the on the occupational health side. Individuals who are overweight to obese are not performing their jobs as well. They have a tendency to be more injured on the job. They have a tendency to be away from work more often. Their return to work is much slower. So there's benefits on the workers' compensation side. There's certainly benefits on the healthcare side, and then just the overall quality of life. Do you find that it's difficult to measure some of those indirect benefits that you just described, home life improvement, they're they're spending more time at work, their quality of work is better. How do you measure that and hand a nice little report back to the employer and saying, hey, look how well this is working? Great question in the sense that we, we make a conscious effort to show the employer objectively what's improving. So objective measurements are going to be what were the lab results of this person before we intervened and what are they every eight weeks. We can dramatically show how a person's labs, their cholesterol levels, their blood pressure levels, so on and so forth are improving. We also can show any medication changes, any dollar impact, less cost of health care. So you've got the dollars you can show, you've got the lab results you can show. For the other intangibles, for lack of a better description, Every employer is a little bit different. Some will measure the paid time off that an employee has for being away from work due to illness. Uh, short-term and long-term disability tracking by an employer are other ways that we can show those who are in the program are actually less time off work, less need for disability to be off work due to short-term or long-term disability. But the other comes from surveys that we do. We will survey every employee every eight weeks to ask them what is changing in their lives. And then they give us the authority to tell their story to their fellow employees. Then we bring the spouses into the program. Oh, wow. Okay. So now if mom and dad are both learning how to do this, then they affect the children and so on and so forth, which this is the first generation of children whose lifespan is less than that of their parents due to too much fatty tissue in the body. Wow. I did not know that. That's sad so you can hear you can begin to see how the other benefits you know family life mom and dad are in the program the children are adopting early on for example so those are the behaviors that most of us as parents or as an employer would would want yeah absolutely absolutely and 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 you see it you see it today so it's a good thing that there's a program like that out there so i gotta ask because since since obviously being in direct primary care how do you see something like this fitting into DPC where really the primary care physician is the quarterback 
Um, is this something that they could use? I mean, and how does that fit together in your mind? It's actually a vision of ours for the company is for the medical community, whether it's a physician, hospital organization, whomever, to understand the testing that we're doing. When we look at the even their medical school training, it's been very little of this, maybe 15 minutes, maybe was given maybe an hour of this during that period of time. I give an example that maybe hopefully uh, is a good illustration. Uh, in the early 80s, uh, the Surgeon General for the U.S. focused on body mass index. Everybody knows the height weight charts in your doctor's mm-hmm. offices. Well, a person can be perfectly normal on a body mass index chart, but have a very unhealthy body composition, a very healthy fatty state. So um, Andrew Luck, if any of the audience or any professional quarterback uh, on a Body mass index scale is probably considered obese, but is that professional athlete obese or is it probably high muscle? Right. Uh, On the same hand, I can share, I can fill this room up with individuals who are very petite in stature, perfectly normal on BMI. And when we test them, their body composition is 40, 50% of their weight is body fat. We call it skinny fat in the industry. Skinny fat. Yeah, exactly. They're actually very unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, at that. So so the benefit is uh, for a physician is one, instead of telling their patient, using me as an example, Todd, you need to lose weight and exercise more. They can actually refer a patient into a physiological based program alongside a health coach and a dietitian, measure their body very scientifically, help them understand specifically for their body what they need to do to reduce that inflammation under the watch of their physician. It is the perfect match. Um, and here in the last uh, two year period of time, our ability to to move into the medical community and, and enhance their understanding of what we're doing, that's that's improving almost every month. So that's great. It seems like a very natural fit and and something that, you know, diet exercise is such a large part of our lives. It's, it's not for lack of spending on gym memberships that Americans tend to be overweight or obese. Now this adds more of the educational component into it. Uh, which I personally think is absolutely fascinating. So before we wrap things up, I always like to ask this question when we get educated people and experienced people like yourself in here, where do you see healthcare, the industry, we never say healthcare system anymore. We always say the healthcare industry, where is it going? So put your macro view on, where do you see this thing going in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years? Um, certainly the healthcare system, like many industries, has its challenges, correct? Mm-hmm. It's a system designed that the more services that are performed, the more we pay. Employers and government are paying for 99.9% of that cost of care. For me, after 30 years of being in the industry, we have a population that is becoming less healthier generation by generation. We have the cost of care rendered to those individuals increasing at a medical inflation rate conservatively 10% every year. It's not sustainable by the country. Many of the solutions are solutions to treat symptoms. Give me a pill for my issue. So the key for me, truly, I would describe it as a tsunami that's on the shore. If we think the cost of health care is bad and its insurance is unaffordable, well, what if the generations younger than my generation, which is I'm in my late 50s, if the generations younger than me on average, are less healthier than their parents. Those are the future employees in the country. Those are the future individuals who will be accessing the healthcare system at an earlier age. So if it's already 
at a point where we cannot afford it and we have less healthier population moving through that system, what's contributing to that? And truly, if you look at the level of stress, the lack of sleep, the makeup of, of our foods, the processed foods that we're eating, these are very significant issues. The behaviors, uh, we're looking for quick fixes for everything. We're more sedentary than we've ever had. So for the, for the population itself, America has reached a point where we now have to address the behaviors that are going on within the population. And the struggle we will have as a country is there is not a quick fix to changing those behaviors because it's taken us decades to get here. But we have no choice unless we want one out of every person to be pre-diabetic or diabetic. Let's hope it does not come to that. It's one out of three. One out of three. It's getting close. (laughs) Todd, I appreciate it. If anybody out there wants to learn more about On Target Health and some of the initiatives that you guys are doing, what's the best way? Uh, Our website is ontargethealth.com and our 800 number is 1-844-666-2723. And welcome any calls. Todd Fouché with On Target Health. Thanks so much for coming by. Thank you. I enjoyed the interview. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Healthcare Americana. Remember to share, subscribe, and tell all your friends about us. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Healthcare Americana. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podchaser, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell your friends and colleagues to download and listen to all Healthcare Americana shows at freedomhealthworks.com.